Moments ago, a court just denied Ivanka Trump's latest request to avoid testifying in the Trump Organization's civil fraud trial that is happening here in New York. This on the same day that Donald Trump's two adult sons sat for hours inside of a courtroom. Both Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, as you can see here, took the stand. They are both accused, along with their father, of falsely inflating the value of company properties. And while the former president has been on a social media barrage, not necessarily new, claiming, among other things, that his adult children are being persecuted, it is important to remember who it was, of course, that made a point of putting them in charge of the company just days before he was inaugurated. My two sons, who are right here, Don and Eric, are going to be running the company. They are going to be running it in a very professional manner. I'm joined now by Maggie Haberman, CNN political analyst and senior political correspondent for The New York Times. We'll talk about the Ivanka development in a moment. But I mean, just that moment there, I was thinking about it all day today as I was seeing Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. in court. I mean, that was that was almost seven years ago, which is kind of hard to believe. And as they are on the stand talking about their roles, can you just walk everyone through what their roles, I mean, their whole career has kind of been defined by the Trump organization. Yeah, and before Trump had put them in charge, he was grooming his children, including Ivanka Trump, to take over this company. That had been going on for several years. They they were trustees of the company. That was that was the, the official title. I think they had uh, some kind of vice presidential title uh, as well prior to that, and I think after that. But basically, they were running the company. I will say, in reality, uh, according to everyone I have ever spoken with, Don Jr. was far less involved in the day-to-day -day than his brother Eric. Eric really became the person who was running the company. And I think, Caitlin, that was reflected in part in how much more combative Eric Trump's testimony was in court today. Don Jr.'s was relatively less so. Yeah, I mean, it got increasingly combative over emails, even dating back to 2010, when he was saying, I wasn't involved in that. And then she, you know, the attorney general says that essentially that they provided these false valuations of even the family's estate. I mean, she noted at one point that Donald Trump Jr. had personally certified the financial statements, but they were saying, well, I was just doing this. It was based on the valuations of others, not necessarily me. Right. And there, there was an effort to distance themselves from uh, things that they signed or from decisions that were made. And, and, and we have seen that over and over. And that's also something we've seen Donald Trump do about his own company, S something we saw him do in his presidency. I was acting on advice of whomever. I suspect you will see that in his upcoming trial on charges of trying to overturn the election results in 2020. Advice of counsel. It is often that, you know, someone else was making these decisions. I don't think for the purpose of the outcome of this trial that any of this testimony matters significantly because the outcome is fairly predetermined. Judge Ngoran yeah. has already issued a partial uh, summary judgment, suggests that Trump, uh, Trump Sr. is going to face some problems in trying to keep his company together. But in terms of just having to lay out the guts of their company, I think that this was uncomfortable for both sons. They, they both had some stumbles at the end of the day. I don't think either one of one of either n neither one had an earth-shattering moment on the yeah. stand. And just before we came on air tonight, we got this news that at least part of the appeal that Ivanka Trump's attorneys filed today, trying to pause the whole trial while they figure out whether or not she has mm -hmm. to testify, ha has been denied. Right now, she still has to testify next week. She's been fighting it in part, saying that it would be undue hardship because it's Wednesday. It's in the middle of a school week that she'd have to come to New York to to do that. What's your sense of why she is fighting testifying? I think there are a couple of reasons among them that I think that just the, the whole Trump ethos is fight, 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 delay, delay, delay. 
Don't forget that Ivanka Trump's testimony before the House Select Committee that was investigating January 6th uh, was played at a public hearing, I think more than one. Mm -hmm. It infuriated former President Trump. I think this creates the potential for some moments that would be, again, very uncomfortable for Ivanka Trump. Now, I think lots of parents of children, she has three children, I think lots of parents with three children um, still are forced to go to court and don't end up just in, in various cases and don't describe it as an undue hardship, especially somebody with the means that she has. Um, but I think that it is it is not surprising to see her trying to delay. And your latest reporting, all of this is fits into this bigger picture of, and I should know Donald Trump is also going to be on the, the stand, this bigger picture of a second Trump term and what that's going to look like. And I do think that's not something that's talked about enough because mm -hmm. I agree. right now it's so clear that Trump is going to be the nominee. We don't know for sure, of course, anything could happen. But right now, if it was tomorrow, he would be. And the idea of him potentially having another term, he would kind of just be unrestrained. What's your reporting on what that would look like? Yeah, I mean, so look, you are correct that, that elections aren't over until they're over. Mm -hmm. um, but at the moment, he has an overwhelming lead in the national polling. And even in Iowa, he is well ahead. And in all the early states, he's well ahead. And so it, there is reason to look at what a second administration would look like. My colleagues, Jonathan Swan and Charlie Savage, and I have been trying to do just that. And we focused this week on a piece about efforts by two key Trump allies, Stephen Miller and Johnny McEntee. Stephen Miller, his policy advisor, I think probably very known to this audience. Johnny McEntee, less so. He mm -hmm. took over the personnel office in 2020 with a mandate to purge the government of people who were seen as opposed to Trump or trying to stop his agenda. They are trying to find lawyers who could staff a second Trump administration. Um, lawyers who would fill agencies, not just White House counsel. Lawyers who would find ways to get him to yes on the kinds of policies that he wants to enact. And as he has actually laid out several of them on his campaign website in some detail, it's a pretty radical agenda. And it would be so notable because lawyers defined the first four years of Trump Correct. to a degree because they were kind of the seatbelts, if you want to put it that way. The, the, the guardrails phrase gets used a lot. Look, lawyers very conservative lawyers, many of them. Incredibly uh, conservative. Correct. We're telling, we're saying no on things that Trump wanted to push through, particularly on matters um, related to immigration. I mean, that's always going to be a, a big driver with Trump. And so you are now seeing a push to try to get lawyers who will not raise those kinds of uh, objections, who will try to find ways that he can accomplish what he wants. Uh, and we will see what that looks like if he becomes president again. Maggie Haberman, great reporting as always. Thank, Thank you. you.